0: Delia IOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. Ryle Sheridan Architects with offices in New York City and Delaware County focusing on environmentally friendly and sustainable design for residential, commercial, and institutional clients, creating ultra-efficient, high-design projects, new construction additions and renovations from concept to completion, including contractor selection and construction supervision. Ryle Sheridan Architects, 646-809-4343, 646-809-4343, or email info at R-Y-A-L-L, Sheridan.com. Mountain Flame in Arkville, featuring a range of products for home heating solutions. A variety of fireplaces, wood stoves, and gas and pellet stoves are available and on display. For sales and service, Mountain Flame in Arkville, warming home since 1980. Details at mountainflame.com. The Mountain Eagle, the community newspaper and website serving the Catskills region, covering Delaware, Schoharie, Green, and northern Ulster counties. With local reporting, regional events, school sports, letters, and features. All in the Mountain Eagle. Rockland Cider Works Upstate in Gilboa. An agritourism cidery with vacation rentals on a sprawling former dairy farm. Gluten-free hard cider made from 100% New York State apples. New York State produced beer, wine, and spirits. Rockland Cider Works Upstate on Stryker Road in Gilboa. RocklandCiderWorks.com 1053 Main Street Gallery in Fleischmann's Designed as a space to support a vibrant and active artistic community Nestled within the Catskill Mountains Now presenting Echo Chambers Chambers. Multimedia works by David Young and Susan Yalovich Manipulated images using darning and needlecraft stitched onto canvas On view through Saturday, January 7th At 1053 Main Street Gallery in Fleischmann's 1053maingallery.com. We know the elders, but new jazz excursions will focus on the latest generational freeform thinkers and creators making Vido America's greatest
1: cultural legacy. So join me, Mike Jakovic, for new jazz excursions. Alternate Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. to noon on WIOX Roxbury. Live and local in the Catskills at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable, Channel 20.
0: Streaming at WIOXradio.org and on all your smartphone radio and We'll yeah. be yeah. yeah.
2: are listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20, 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi and everywhere at wioxradio.org on computers, computers or smartphones and also with the Radio Garden phone app. This is from the forest every Wednesday. 6 to 7 p.m., talk about a different force related topic with Ryan and Zane. Zane, how's it going?
1: Good, good. What have you been up to? Well, today I planted some trees. Nice. Yeah, the last trees I'm planting for the Legacy Tree Planting Program. Three white oaks uh, that I had to order because they're hard to find around here in the fall. Yeah. But uh, the ground was a little frozen, but not too bad. Once you get underneath the surface, uh, easy digging. And uh, they went in pretty well. These were smaller ones, so I just used tree shelters. These plastic tubes, five feet tall, with a bamboo stake on them.
2: Sweet. Yeah. It's not bad. Pretty excited about them. What'd you plant? Oak, right? Yeah. White oaks. White oaks. Sweet, man. Yeah, we could use some more oaks in the Catskills, for sure. Yeah. You know? But um, I've been hunting here and there. Um, hunting and tree work what not been seeing a lot of deer but uh which is a good thing you know what seeing deer makes you want to return and hunt some more and makes the hunt go go a lot easier uh going somewhere and not seeing deer well that's just terrible after mm. a while <laughs> you know but um yeah I had had a lot of does around me and I would have would have shot one but I just don't have a tag in that area so I I did not do that and uh there was a couple i kind of wanted to but unfortunately it didn't work out and i haven't seen that big buck i was uh hoping for you know mm. some two and a half year old buck or older would have been nice but it didn't happen that's why they call it hunting
1: <laughs> so, not catching that's
2: right yeah you don't catch them and you don't shop for them
1: most deer i've seen have just been along the road um seems like uh, the past two weeks there's just been so many accidents on the road i've seen uh Uh, collisions with deer um you know it's got to be that rutting season right and uh i know my wife she uh commutes to hamden so i'm i've been worried about her but she's been lucky so far
2: yeah yeah there's a lot of dead deer on the road right now yeah so you ever
1: you think uh there's more deer dead on the road than in the woods for hunters
2: you know there's some states i always heard that uh connecticut i think has more deer collisions than deer killed by hunters. But, you know, that data is really hard to get because mm. there's so many roads, you know, and, right. and they're different municipalities, right? You have town versus county versus state and then interstates. So getting that data is really difficult. But I remember there was a study in Connecticut that said, yeah, more deer are killed by cars. Connecticut can't be alone.
1: Wonder I ma- wonder when it made that flip in the 80s or 90s or... I wonder?
2: Yeah, you know, probably when maybe deer numbers peaked. A lot of people don't realize deer numbers have peaked uh, in our area in the 2000s, early 2000s. And um, it's really ironic because people think, well, I see so many more deer. And, and they do. It's just that the deer are where the edge or younger plants are, and that is near roads, power lines, and, and houses. So we're seeing the majority of deer. And... When the habitat is only young near where humans are, there's probably going to be more car collisions than there used to be. So, I don't know. I would say, so to answer your question, maybe after peaking, I don't know. Hmm. Where forests have matured to some level and the only young vegetation is near us. So, yeah, I, I don't know.
1: So there's an answer out there. We just don't know.
2: Yeah, I'm sure it's different in. Some areas of the state, right? I mean, western New York is like its own world with more agriculture going on and better habitat and mixture of young forest and older forest. Whereas in the Hudson Valley and Catskills, um, I feel like a lot of our deer are near the roads, like you just said, and they're not in the woods as much as they used to be, you know, perhaps. Uh, Like some areas in the high peaks of the Catskills, there's so few deer in the mountains in the upper elevations, you know. That you might be seeing most of the deer right in the valley bottom. There's still, there's big deer up in the mountains, and there always will be, I believe. There's just fewer of them, that's all. But tonight's topic is the, I don't know how to say this, the pileated or pileated woodpecker. I've always said pileated,
1: but, uh, yeah. I've heard older
2: birders call it pileated. Who knows? You know, (laughs) tomato, tomato. I always said pileated, but, uh, Pilated might be correct as well Who knows So um, it's a really cool animal It's a woodpecker It's the largest in North America And one of the largest in the world Although there's a lot of controversy over that Man when you look up pilated woodpecker You're going to run into the ivory build Right Woodpecker And I went down the rabbit hole of that recently Because uh, some people think it's not extinct And uh, who knows But anyway The pilated is Latin for pileatus or capped in Latin or Mohawk. It's got this really cool Mohawk of, um, of red. Mm. And it, it can actually, uh, you know, put it up or down depending on what mood it's in, which is pretty cool. So it's 16 to 19 inches long and nine to 12 ounces. doesn't weigh very much. The wingspan's pretty big though. 26 to 30 inches. Yeah. The, uh,
1: as a comparison, a robin, you know, American robin, which people usually see on their, on their lawn, in the spring, um, that bird is between nine and eleven inches long, and they have, only have a fifteen-inch wingspan. Um, so they're about the third of a size of a pileated woodpecker.
2: Yeah, uh, they're they're really cool. Alan. We we can show what they sound like. The sound of a, a pileated woodpecker is unforgettable. It really is. Between it. The way it drums on the uh, on a tree, it finds a really hollow one, or its call, whatever you want to call that, is it's it's very loud and resonates throughout the forest. Definitely a cool forest sound. But besides the beaver, I don't know of another animal besides humans and beaver that can topple a tree. And these mm-hmm. guys on a on a tree that's dead or dying, uh, they'll make an excavation with their beak that can sometimes topple over a fairly good-sized tree.
1: Yeah, I mean, they can excavate, uh, like, two feet into a tree I've seen. Um, A lot of different heights, too. I've seen them, like, surprisingly low on some trees as well. Um, But, uh, yeah, they're looking for ants, excavating for ant colonies.
2: And there are subspecies. Um, There's the northern and the southern pilated, and, you know, in general... I forget what that term is in wildlife, but there's a thing where animals normally get larger as you go north. Mm. And they get smaller as you go south. Do you remember why? I don't. I didn't. I was yeah. not a wildlife guy. Oh yeah. Well, the reason is is because uh surface area. So, animals with more surface area are smaller and they can cool off easier. That's very important down south, right? Yeah, at least it should be. Cuz I'm going there soon and it's hot. But in the north, larger animals have less surface area and they retain heat more. So that's why the northern, you know, the whitetail deer, there's two different subspecies or more, and northern whitetail is, is larger mm-hmm. until you get south of New Jersey or so, and then the southern whitetail is smaller in body size for the most part.
1: Seems counterintuitive, though. You know, you think a bigger animal would
2: have more surface area. You know what it's like? It's like uh um, well, I don't know how to explain it. It's like firewood almost. You know, a, a larger piece has... Less, I don't know how to explain it. You know mm. what? I don't know how to explain that, but, yeah. It's smaller, like, um... If you have more crags and crevices and, and tight yeah. spaces and stuff, you're going to lose heat more. And smaller people have, have a harder time keeping warm. It's not just because of fat, but they have a lot more surface area. You know? Yeah, the...
1: I didn't study wildlife, but I did study soils. And um, the way I learned kind of that relationship was between different particle sizes. Um, So the largest particle sizes are like sand. Um, The smallest ones are clay. Uh, But clay actually has more of a surface area than a particle of sand um, because of all those nooks and crannies inside there.
2: Right. Yeah, a lot of your large animals... uh in North America are up in the north in grasslands and stuff like that. That could be a different reason, but I can't remember the name of that term. Anyway, yeah, it's true with almost all animals in North America. They get they get larger as you go north. Um the northeastern coyote is, is, is larger, although some believe it's well it is it is due in part to genetics, but um it's bigger than its southern counterpart.
1: So more northern uh, cooler temperatures, you need to conserve body heat, so larger animals.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, ID. I, how do, you, how do you, have you, if you've seen these things, how would you know? And like most birds, the males are a little more flamboyant than <laughs> the females, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously they're, they're big birds. Uh, the males have a grayish-black bill, um, and it's a mostly solid black bird, except for the underwings, which are white. Um, yeah, the males uh, are more uh, flamboyant, or they have like those uh, characteristics uh, of more bright colors. So they have this vibrant red uh, crest or mohawk at the top of their head. Like you ever, I don't know, when you you were young, you had long hair. You ever come out of the shower and make a big mohawk with your? Yeah. With your wet hair, yeah. um, it's kind of what it looks like, but uh, a deep red. Um, and that extends all the way from the forehead to their nape, to the back of their neck.
2: The red is unmistakable. I mean, a lot of little kids might look at a pileated woodpecker and call it the Woody Woodpecker, mm. right? Like the cartoon. Yeah. And it's got that red thing, that, that red nape. It's, it's really, you can't miss it. But... Um, there's other woodpeckers out there was there the downy woodpecker and the um oh Terry woodpecker Harry woodpecker but they're far smaller in size yeah much much smaller these guys are huge but um if you're just tuning in you're listening to from the forest tonight's topic is meet the pileated woodpecker and up next we'll talk about how this thing communicates <laughs>
3: Rifting along with the tumbling tumbleweed I'm a roving cowboy Riding all day long Tumbleweeds around underneath a prairie moon, I ride alone and sing a tune, see them tumbling down, pledging their love to the ground, lonely but free I'll be found, drifting along with we No!
2: That's uh, Roy Rogers, and uh, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight's topic is meet the pilated woodpecker, the largest North American woodpecker, and one of the world's largest woodpecker. So, communication. Hey, you have uh, You said you might be able to get sound on this? Yeah. So, So,
1: if you haven't seen this bird, you most likely have heard it. If you've been in the woods lately, uh, usually in the spring. Uh, so this is the call of the pileated woodpecker.
2: It's pretty neat. Yeah. You have anything of the uh, pecking on a piece of wood or no?
1: Yeah. So that, that was the call, and now this is the drumming. Um, so. This to
2: me is 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 actually just as cool. Yeah. It doesn't do it justice. It's extremely deep, and it and they, they pick a, um, a you know, hollow somewhat tree. hollow tree, yeah. so it resonates like a drum, even more. So what
1: are they communicating with that? Um, they're finding a mate, uh, but they're also uh, making their presence known to to other male woodpeckers.
2: And it's pretty cool. So, if if, if uh, definitely one of the cooler sounds out there in the woods. So that brings us to the ivory-billed woodpecker. Man, there's this is like uh, people are really, really getting crazy with this ivory-billed woodpecker. Yep. Apparently it lives in um, those swampy areas yeah. with, what is Bottom it, live wings. oaks maybe down there? Bald cypress rather? Yeah, I believe so. Bald cypress probably maybe.
1: So you kind of have to get a boat in order to, to observe it.
2: Well, they look just like the pileated woodpecker, except for I think they have white on the overwings and... Their bills are white or ivory colored. And they're a little bit larger birds. Yeah. Or
1: even bigger than the biggest woodpecker. But in the birding community, yeah, it's a bit of a controversy uh, when this bird was last seen. I believe legally
2: it has not been declared extinct yet. Mm -hmm. So there is that. Some believe that one was seen in Arkansas in the early 2000s. And there's a debatable uh, photo of this where they think, yeah, there's white on the... On the uh, on the wings, instead of black, white on the on the outside.
1: I remember. I think they did like a short, sixty minutes segment on it. And this guy had a a video of him in a boat, and they had heard it. And uh, I guess in the background, they had gotten footage of it fleeing. So it was like this blurry, grainy footage of this uh, supposed ivory billed woodpecker fleeing, and that was all they could use to help identify it.
2: You know, it's John and I were talking about this, and you know, with with trail cameras and everything, you think it would be seen, but I don't know. I mean, listen, I don't know much about that forest down there in Louisiana and parts of Florida and Arkansas, but they seem really difficult to get around. So I don't know, and they claim it's also um, it's very fast. It's faster mm-hmm. than a pileated woodpecker. It flies very low, so it's hard to really get a, a glimpse of it. So I don't I don't know. I don't know what to believe on that one, but um this guy gave a talk online and and he was going over all the birds that have been removed from extinction and uh, recently that we thought were extinct. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They're not. So even with today's technology, I thought that was extreme. I thought that was more interesting than the ivory-billed woodpecker to be honest with you. That that we're finding things that we thought were extinct. Yeah, I mean, uh
3: it
1: seems to me that people spending less time in the woods. Um or when they do spend time in the woods, they're spending uh time on trails that have been well trodden. Um who knows what's what's out there is yet to be rediscovered.
2: Yeah. And like I said, uh, if you have to take a canoe through these bald cypress cypress forests or wherever yeah. they are, I don't I don't I don't know how you get around very well. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know how tall those trees are. So, you, you know, you, you think you'd be able to find a cavity where the ivory-billed woodpecker is staying or something. But I don't, who knows. And if it's not
1: in the spring, from what I understand, they're otherwise they're very silent birds.
2: They're very quiet. They don't make a lot of noise. Um, so. I guess previously they thought it was extinct a uh, time before. And then someone saw it in the 30s and has totally d- documented it. And then there may have been a time after that where they thought it was extinct and then seen again in the 70s, but I can't say that one for sure. Hmm. Yeah. But anyway, habitat and distribution of the pileated woodpecker. So this is a guy who needs large trees that are dying or dead. We call those snags, right? Standing dead trees. Yeah, but, yeah go ahead.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, snags you see a lot around here are ash, old ash trees. The other thing ash trees have is a lot of uh, beetles in them, larvae. Uh, so it's great uh, food for the bird, but also really easy
2: uh, to excavate. I got a lot of the pileated woodpeckers near me. I got a lot mm-hmm. of mature forests with dead-standing trees of white pine and ash and, and sugar maple and... I see them quite often on the forest edge on my na- between my neighbor's property and mine. And um, I see them on the ground sometimes feeding on dead mm-hmm. logs. They don't just go after standing trees. They will go after coarse woody debris on the ground, kind of hop around. They, they're they kind of uh, awkward when they're on the ground. Yeah. But I've been pretty close to them, and they didn't seem to care about me that much. Have you ever found a nest? Do you just see them uh, no. around? Never seen a nest. And... Yeah, i would never seen one. I don't know. Yes, they excavate
1: these big kind of rectangular uh, cavities. And they chip away, bark. Um, interestingly, they're a bird that doesn't uh, use any nesting material. doesn't gather twigs, leaves, nothing. It just uh, creates a big hole and uh, with exits um, for uh, predators who might climb up in
2: there. But just wood chips. The only place it really isn't in... In North America is where there's no trees. So in the interior portions, in the plains, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's the only place where you don't find pileated woodpeckers. So both coasts have them and probably transcontinental through Canada, barring, you know, those those plains once again. Migration pattern. It doesn't migrate. This one stays put for the most part. It goes where the large trees are present. So it might move on if there's no large trees. But you're not going to find this in, in young forests. So this is one uh, check, you know, check in the box for having older forests. Yeah. This is the pileated woodpecker.
1: That's what you're going to get more of for sure.
2: Yeah, no shortage of them.
1: Even on uh, smaller woodlots too. If you have a large tree, um, you know that that could be a, a good habitat.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking, um, you know, some trees out there to grow that are on their way out anyway. Mm-hmm. You find a large tree, and a lot of times it could be aspen or white pine. Right. Yeah. We have a lot of white pine that you could girdle. Yeah, it's probably dying already, and you do two rings around it, and it's going to be excellent habitat for a lot of small mammals. And the thing is, the pileated woodpecker, it creates habitat, just like beavers do when they dam up stuff or the dam goes away and creates a you know a little um, food plot or opening in the forest canopy. When it creates that rectangular cavity it creates a future home for for other for other wildlife so that's pretty cool but um yeah,
1: yeah songbirds uh can utilize that wrens commonly i think um also uh smaller mammals i think the pine marten raccoons
2: even can utilize that behavior it's mostly a solitary bird except during the breeding season i guess they can be territorial though but they become more tolerant during the winter. Why is it? Probably because they're trying to survive, I would think. Right, yeah. You know, colder temperatures, a little harsher.
1: Yeah, you don't want to expend energy trying chasing off other males. You, It's easier to just live with them.
2: <laughs> yeah, the next bullet kind of says, you know, you, they have to uh, defend that territory by chasing, calling, striking with the wings, jabbing with the beak during territorial disputes. So during the winter, that's probably out. Too many calories to do stuff like that, maybe. I don't know. The red crest that you know, that Nate, that uh, that mohawk, mohawk that you were talking yeah. about before, is mobile, and it can be raised or lowered to show different moods. I don't know about the mood, different moods though, Zane.
1: I wish some people had that; it's yeah. easier to read them. You know what kind of mood they're in. <laughs> yeah, right, right. For feet, for females, they also have that uh, crest, but it's just a little bit shorter. It's less vibrant. Okay. Um, and uh, we didn't talk about the mustache.
2: Oh, we didn't talk it's, about the mustache. Yeah. What do you, you know about the mustache?
1: So going back to the, the bird ID, so these uh, the whisker or the mustache is basically this, this strip of um, uh, plumage from the back of the beak uh, that goes to the throat, and in males, that's red. It's a red kind of stripe, and in females, they don't have it at all. So, bright red crest for males, also that red mustache.
2: The oldest bird known is 12 years and 11 months, so almost 13 years. Predators of the nest are weasels, squirrels, rat snakes, gray fox. Um, in flight, they can be predated by barred owls, the great horned owl, hawks, all, all types of hawks, red shoulder hawk, um, cooper's hawk, mm-hmm. sharp shin and eagles so i guess that can be bald eagle golden eagle whatnot but i don't know they seem like they're pretty uh fast in the forest so
1: yeah, it has got to be hard to have that plumage you know now you're a target it gets you the female but now you're a target for the rest of the season
2: yeah once you see once you see a piloted woodpecker uh you won't forget it. You can't really confuse it with anything else. But um, if you're just tuning in, and are listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest related topic. Tonight's topic is Meet the Pilated Woodpecker.
3: Water, water. All day I faced a barren waste without the taste of water.
4: burnt dry and
3: souls that cry for water cool clear
4: water keep a moving Dan don't you listen to him Dan he's a devil not a man and he spreads the burning sand with water Dan can you see that running free and, and it's
3: waiting there for me and, and you With water water the shadows sway and seem to say tonight we pray for water
4: listen to him, Dan, he's a devil, not a man, and he spreads the burning sand with water. Dan, can you see
3: that
2: rogers again and that ends my roy rogers kick i don't know um that's cool water and this is from the forest every wednesday 6 to 7 p.m talk about a different forest related topic tonight's topic is meet the pilated woodpecker so diet feeding pilated woodpecker uh it roosts at night it does not you know roam around at night like an owl it feeds during the day it's an omnivore which means it eats both meat and vegetables, right? (laughs) Uh, Spring, summer, it's mainly eating insects and larvae, those carpenter ants that Zane was talking about. But in the fall and winter, it can also eat nuts, fruits, and berries. Yeah, from what I've read
1: about it, it it will listen for all that ant activity underneath the bark, even in trees that, to our eyes, look perfectly healthy, but they're infested with uh, carpenter ants. And um, they also, they will drill in what they sound to be the exact center of these nests. So they're not starting at the edge. They're not, you know, going around the nest. They're, they're going right to the heart of the nest because that's probably where most of the larvae is.
2: Yeah. So a lot of times people will blame a woodpecker for killing their tree. But in reality, it's a secondary, maybe a tertiary pest. Mm-hmm. Um, even ants. They're not the thing that usually kills a tree. They're not a primary stressor. Primary could be like, you know, um, root compaction, lack of sunlight, some kind of environmental thing. Sight conditions. Yeah, sight conditions. And then that leads to, you know, insects that finish off, um, like a wood borer, that finishes Mm -hmm. off a tree. And by the time a pileated woodpecker comes around and hears for ant, you know, listens for ants, that tree is on its way. So. right. You should maybe be looking at taking down that tree or or keeping a good eye on it.
1: Yeah, especially for EAB, emerald ash borer, uh, bird activity, bird excavation is usually an advanced symptom. So if you start to get that, there's really no going back. Um, And it's either uh, getting that tree cut down or just leaving it in the woods to be a snag.
2: Like I said before, I feel like white pine might be the best for these guys because I would think, just guessing now, that for one... White pine, I, I see them with carpenter ants quite a bit mm. or ant activity. And the second thing is it's got to be easier for them to excavate a white pine than some right. of these hardwoods like ash, right? I mean, you would think. I mean, I've, I've cut um, with an axe. When I when I worked for the DEC, we weren't allowed to have um, gas-powered chainsaws in the mm. wilderness areas. So we would have to axe everything. And, man, well, we're really happy to have a spruce, a fir, or a white pine to axe up right. compared to a hardwood. yeah soft woods um very
1: resinous too so i don't know if that poses a problem for the bird it's getting resin over
2: its beak yeah i don't know yeah i don't know about that either um i know i don't like it when a white pine is all injured up and gets on your climbing yeah, line, on line a lot of friction man that pitch will come off after a while but uh yeah yeah it comes off really fast like you ever notice that you get done with climbing a white pine you go to another tree the next day It goes away, like, don't even notice it, really. It chips away. Yeah. Yeah. Very fast. But anyway, um, so, yeah, we mentioned this before. It forages in trees, large rectangular cavities on both large trees and fallen logs. So another reason to leave coarse woody debris on the ground, Zane. Yeah. Even stumps, too. That's right.
1: It'll excavate.
2: Uh, Yep. Feeds on the ground, hops about. It's got a large tongue to lap up ants in crevices. Mm Mm-hmm. Who knew? Eats lots of wood-boring beetle larvae as well. Yeah. Juicy ones. Yeah, juicy ones.
1: Yeah, eats berries, nuts as well. Um, Also read something interesting. It likes to eat uh, poison ivy berries. I don't know if everyone's ever ever seen these berries. They're small. They're white. Kind of look like Tic Tacs. But, uh, yeah, birds can eat all sorts of interesting vegetables that to us would be kind of harsh. You know, they can eat. Pep, like hot pepper seeds you know they don't uh they don't get that capsaicin it doesn't
2: act in them so they don't get like the heat that humans get no kidding i didn't know that all right nesting so <laughs> who knows if this is true i mean who's really keeping track of all of their per- personal relationships but someone might be out there apparently this bird is not a cheating son of a gun it's a monogamous bird zane eating for life I guess. Um, Principled bird. Yeah. So being a cavity nester, it actually has multiple entrances. Mm. Maybe to ward away predators. I don't know. The male makes a hole in April to attract the female. So he says, like, look what I did. I'm pretty awesome. I just built a home. What do you think? You know? And excavates 10 to 24 inches deep into the tree. It's pretty deep. Come on, a couple feet. You know? Which makes you think... It's got to be a pretty big tree, though, right? So another reason to have big trees. So ash trees, a lot of them just aren't big enough out there. Some of them are. Some of them are. Uh, 15 to 85 feet from the ground in the tree. Mm -hmm. It's pretty far up. Okay. At least 15 feet, though. It wants to be high up maybe to evade predators, whatnot. All right. Leave some wood chips inside the hole, as you were saying before. It doesn't take anything else except for wood chips. It doesn't add anything to it. Yeah, no nesting material. It's not like a weirdo like the wood rat that takes garbage and stuff <laughs> around its entrance way, like like a strange animal, and, and uh, takes you know bottle caps and and aluminum foil or whatever to decorate the entrance of the hole. Do you remember that show? Oh, yeah, we did. Wood rat it does that. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, strange it was one. One of the interesting. Uh... Critters. yeah he's a weirdo eggs to the young all right so males do most of the. okay not only is it monogamous zane it sticks around it sticks around Wow. it's not a deadbeat dad it males do most of the 16 to 18 days of incubation <laughs> Sharon. one brood per couple two to eight eggs per year all right family stays loosely together until the following breeding season so how about that how about that's pretty that? neat Pretty neat. Pretty neat.
1: Must be a big uh, cavity in a tree to get both birds and the whole brood in there. I guess so. That's why you need big trees for these birds.
2: Yeah, big trees. Conservation. All right. Bird helps control insect populations. So it it is kind of cool to have around. It eats a lot of tree beetles, although they are secondary pests. We just talked about that. Mm -hmm. But, hey, it helps to get rid of some beetles once in a while. Preserving snags to ensure habitat. Ensures that the woodpecker is round down woody material. So for you guys out there who do not like a mess in your woods, um, that does not help the a woodpecker cleaning things up. Actually, it doesn't really help out a lot of wildlife. You know, there's a difference between aesthetic impacts and natural resource impacts, and they don't always align. Mm. All right, am I wrong? I don't know. Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, it's usually uh,
2: what not what people
1: don't like to see in the woods you know this coarse woody debris but uh it creates texture on the forest floor it creates uh something that's elevated i mean anytime i see a
2: chipmunk it's running along some log somewhere yeah they need cover man you know so apparently removing shrubs though so this does go back in a line with you aesthetic, um, you know, obsessives out there. So apparently, removing shrubs can improve foraging ability of this bird on the forest floor. So downwading debris is good; that adds food, beetles, larvae, whatnot. But the shrubs can actually impede their ability to fly around. Remember that when they when they're not flying, they're hopping around. It's kind of awkward. Right. So. Yeah, there's, you know, mountain laurel, stuff like that might actually, you know, uh, Japanese barberry and stuff might impede their foraging ability. Yeah,
1: honeysuckle, um, uh, what's the other one, Uh I'm thinking of, buckthorn. Buckthorn. Um, yeah, these are species the deer don't eat, so they
2: usually crowd out these understories. So that's probably why I have a lot near where I live, because I, I don't have a shrub layer very yeah. much. I have a lot of dead standing trees, so yeah. we got poison ivy. There you go, Zane. They're eating the berries, I guess. Um, Other wildlife, like I said before, depend upon the used cavity excavations from this bird, such as wood ducks, right? Cavity-nesting ducks, swifts, owls, wrens, songbirds, raccoons, among others, right? Um, Will nest in boxes. So you can also create... You can also put up a, a box for these guys, but it should be 15 feet off the ground. Just let let you know, Catskill Forest Association does do that. Uh, climb up in the tree with a harness and a line and uh, put it at any elevation you want. So,
1: Yeah, through our forest bird program, we uh, make our own boxes to spec, and uh, we will install them on a tree for you. I think for... And this is where I found interesting for pileated woodpeckers. they Actually, the specs call for a three-inch diameter hole. So even though it's a big bird, I guess it prefers a hole that is uh, just as suitable for
2: saw-whet owl uh, or a uh, kestrel. So gotcha. I'm actually I want to give this a go. the Catskill Forest Association putting up more uh, wood boxes for pileated woodpecker because we our habitat's going in that direction anyway. So that's kind of like the low-hanging fruit, mm-hmm. I feel. Owls can, you know, owls like large dead-standing trees too, but maybe they're more finicky than pileated woodpeckers. I don't know. In any case, owls are cool. You hear them at night, but, you know, a lot of us aren't up at night. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you get more bang for your buck with the pileated woodpecker because you hear them during the day. All right. And the sound is, is really cool. I mean, you know, you can't beat that. So something else to do is maybe put up a box, not just for uh, – bluebirds and owls and um what else wood ducks but maybe for this guy
1: you know yeah and it's it's a way to mimic a cavity
2: so it's an alternative to girdling a large tree yeah exactly so if you're just tuning in you're listening to from the forest every wednesday 6 to 7 p.m tonight's topic is the pileated woodpecker
4: And Baby, the way you move me, it's crazy It's like you see right through me, and make it easier you Please me, I don't even have to try that you believe.
2: Le Montaigne. Whatever happened to him? He used to be really popular like 10 years ago. No, I do. You don't know who that is? No. Le right. Montaigne? Whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so, this is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest related topic. Tonight, we're talking about the woody woodpecker himself, the pileated woodpecker, the biggest woodpecker in North America, unless you count the uh, controversial ivory billed woodpecker. So, um, backyard birders. So you're managing for the pileated woodpecker. We kind of hinted at this already. But preserving woody debris and snags is a good thing. The messier, the better for this guy. So leave some stuff on the ground. Good thing. Uh, Limit insecticides since they feed on them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I don't think that's too much of a problem in most areas of the Catskill Mountains. They are attracted to suet feeders. So if you want to put out some suet, you might get some. Pile- palliated woodpeckers Yeah, I mean bird seeds Easy to
1: put into a feeder But uh, these cages where you can put These blocks of suet How much does suet costs these days, I don't know But uh, it attracts all these larger birds Jays, uh, downy, hairy woodpeckers But once in a while It'll track a big pileated woodpecker
2: Well, for we are talking about hunting before And another thing you can do Is take the deer fat or tallow And use that mm-hmm. So there's a lot of tallow that people throw out when they're processing their deer so you can use that in place of suet no well that makes sense yeah yeah that's what my friend used to do feed the birds and stuff neat so that's another thing you could do um how to find this bird it's attracted to mature tall trees you got to have them otherwise you probably won't see them use your ears like i said there's no other sound like it it sounds like something out of a jungle or something it's just very strange in our northeastern forest to hear
1: yeah the drumming just sounds like an old door being left open in the woods you just hear that from a distance but uh yeah i mean this is one of the first birds that i've uh learned how to identify by ear just because that sound is just so unique and uh yeah there's really nothing like it i'm i'm I wouldn't be surprised if many of our listeners have heard that before in the woods Oh yeah. and just wonder what that is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's really big. It's a really big bird as far as woodpeckers go, for sure. Um, so just look for the woody woodpecker. But CFA programs, Catskill Forest Association, we we, we do have, when we're not on the air and from the forest, WIOX Roxbury, we have a forest bird program. And, yeah, we can, we can install these bird boxes on... Uh, At any height, using climbing devices and gear. Yep, just going up and down the tree. And uh, we have the box. We, like I said, fabricate it to spec, and it's just uh, drilled into the tree. Right. And and please, give us an excuse to climb a tree, because we like climbing trees. I like climbing trees. Yeah. You know, where else can a person climb a tree for, you know, than at the Catskill Forest Association into their 40s right absolutely <laughs> yeah, it's a great experience getting up into a tree
1: um yeah we've done a lot of barred owl boxes in the ba- uh, past uh kestrel boxes which usually need a uh, field edge or an open area um but we yeah we'd like to get into more of these uh p- pileated or pileated
2: woodpecker boxes the other thing you do is we also have a Catskill forest association has a wildlife habitat management program and, you know, we use chainsaws. We go out there. We can do snag tree development. So we can make the snag trees for you, the dead standing trees that uh, benefit pileated woodpecker, among others. Um, we can girdle either chainsaw or chemicals. Chemicals, you say, well, why are you doing that? Sometimes it's really hard to kill a big tree mm-hmm. eat, with girdling. Um, what comes to mind is red maple. Especially when you have two co-dominant stems that come together you can, and there's included bark, bark on the inside of the tree where they're not really connected. You just can't get in there. So sometimes chemical is the only way to kill a large tree. Also, sometimes you just don't want to lay down a white pine mm. on the ground. Uh, we talked about the benefits, of course, Woody the debris, but sometimes that's not practical. Maybe it's a small acreage property. And you don't want that on the ground. Or there's not room to fell the tree, especially white pine comes to mind. Mm. You know, sometimes you have so many white pine that, or they're so dense, you just can't practically get it down without it getting hung up. Yeah. So girdling makes a lot of sense in that in that regard. And you just want the sunlight on a better tree. Maybe there's a, an apple tree or an oak tree or something next to that tree that you just need sunlight on. You don't necessarily have to fell the tree. You can just girdle it so the sunlight passes through.
1: Yeah, I mean, to think about it, you know, for your forest in the long term it's it's a very interesting thing to do say you have an even-aged stand of white pine uh and um you know some farm abandonment and all the trees grew up and matured at the same time so just to girdle one of those trees would just uh bring light in and uh, create a unique condition uh where uh it would attract wildlife I think it's an interesting thing. You go through a nice dark forest, and you see the shaft of light come
2: through. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's a certain point where you can have too much coarse woody debris, you know, depending on what wildlife you're managing for. You know, if it's for deer and they can't walk around, Mm. it's a problem. Um, So, yeah, you girdle the
1: tree. And uh, clearing understory shrubs, you know, making uh, uh, the ground um, uh, accessible to these birds because they've been... As Ryan says, they've been known to uh, hop along the ground and, and look for insects along the logs and stuff, and um, they don't want to be overtowered by these high shrubs, so making it a little open for them would help too. Uh,
2: we're both pesticide applicators licensed by the state of New York. Uh, Zane does our forest forestry applications and using herbicides against um, a lot of these invasive uh, plants like mm-hmm. honeysuckle. Uh, multi-floor rose japanese barberry so that can benefit by removing those um, not only native vegetation but also things that pile- pileated woodpecker i guess don't like too much of a shrubler right
1: it's an alternative to uh, mechanical removal uh, using uh, machines in the woods or brush cutters which could be you know uh, very uh, uh, labor intensive it could be harsh harsh in the woods um, but uh, but using small concentrated applications of these um in the right way for the right reasons um it's a lot of benefit
2: yeah i mean some of these chemicals they go through the leaf and into the root and sometimes you just can't get all the roots out mechanically hmm. be very difficult right yeah
1: you can get it done in one season with uh just a short application but um yeah it's just an alternative and you know something we offer
2: absolutely but that's all I got on a pilot of woodpecker. We got about a minute and a half. Is there anything you uh, wanted to bring up that was burning inside you, Zane?
1: Burning inside me. Burning. Well, I hope everyone has a nice, happy Thanksgiving. You know, safe travels and whatnot. I'll just be uh, going to central New York. Um, so, won't be going too far, but. Uh,
2: yeah, going up by uh, Syracuse there. Yep.
1: Oh, nope. Utica area, Whitesboro, village of Whitesboro. All right. My hometown.
2: Did you get any snow there?
1: Not that I've heard.
2: Spoke with my dad a few days ago, and no. It's crazy, isn't it? Just like, well, three hours, what? Three hours at least, uh, west west of there in Buffalo.
1: Yeah, that lake effect. I used to live in Syracuse, and yeah, the, blame the Onondaga for all that lake lake effect for good reason. But nothing like I've never seen anything like what happened in
2: Buffalo. Yeah, last four to weekend. six feet. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, at least they, they got to be getting some melting, a little bit. Yeah. You know. Jeez, that's that's yeah, you know you get about three feet and that's front end loader territory you know pickup trucks with plows just don't do it i can do anything
1: yeah it's uh yeah they set a record i think it's almost two inches per hour there on that saturday when it's coming down yeah. it's always funny how these conveniently come on kind of the end of the week you know imagine if this happened on a monday you know it'd be crazy yeah right
2: they ruin everybody's week well, it's a great time of year, uh, especially for your hunters. Good luck, and I just I just love the way the woods look this time of year. The way the light is, you know, the Earth's tilt is a little different this time mm. of year, and the the light shines through the forest differently. The sky is really pink and uh, sun setting. It's just a nice time to be in the woods, as long as you're dressed properly. It's not too bad, but um, take care and have a uh, happy Thanksgiving. Good night, everyone. All right. <music>
5: Oh, the neon lights were flashing and the icy wind did blow. The water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. And the old man came home from the forest. Fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in the street. A dozen faces stopped to stare, but no one stopped to speak. For his castle was a hallway, and the bottle was his friend. And the old man stumbled in. She called him by his name